Hello there. You're listening to 10 Questions, where we discuss the wet plate collodion process and the photographers that create these unique images known as ambrotypes and tintypes. I'm your host, Chad Shryock, wet plate photographer for Pork Pie Photography, based in Fort Collins, Colorado. In each episode, I've asked a modern-day practitioner to sit down with me and talk about how they got involved with this vintage process, share some information on their gear and studio, and provide some valuable insights into their creative process. So whether you're just beginning to dabble your toes in the collodion ethers, or you're a seasoned silver bath expert, hang on and see what develops with 10 questions. Time to shake things up a little bit on 10 questions. As much as we all like hearing about what the experienced wet platers are doing to stay motivated in the projects that they're working on, I wanted to bring in a relative newcomer to the practice and figure out why in the world in 2023 would someone have the desire to learn more about the collodion process. In this episode, I've asked another Colorado photographer I just recently met to sit down with me and talk about what it's like getting started in Collodion. With plans to bring silver to Golden, Colorado, I'd like to welcome Drew Pignatelli to 10 Questions. Hey, Drew, how's it going? Hey, Chad, I'm doing good, man. Thanks so much for having me. This is awesome. Great, great. Uh, it was good to uh, hang out with you recently in Loveland, Colorado. And yeah. we, didn't, we didn't really get into background very much while having a beer there, but I think that you mentioned that you grew up on the East Coast. Is that right? Or maybe you at least came from there. Yeah, absolutely. So I, uh, I'm from outside of Philadelphia, a suburb called Broomall. And I lived there for pretty much my whole life. I went to school in Western PA, so that was about five hours away from where I grew up, kind of close to Pittsburgh. But yeah, I, I'm from uh, Pennsylvania, and I just recently moved out here to Colorado, let's say seven months ago. Okay. So what's your background outside of photography? Yeah, so I went to school for communications, like a lot of people do. I really had no idea what I wanted to do. I didn't have a plan or anything. It just was kind of, you know, you don't know what you're doing, go to school, go to college. And that's what I did. I went and I changed my major a bunch of times. And I ended with communications. Okay. And hopefully a little bit of marketing along with that. Yeah. I I think I definitely learned a lot of useful things along the way that are helping me now, but didn't really help me right when I got done school. But yeah, yeah. uh, It was definitely a good experience. And I was exposed to photography in college. It it was never something that I wanted to pursue or anything, Uh, but I did take a couple courses and I was in the the media program there. So it was a lot of video and stuff like that. So it definitely got me, you know, on track for something like this, I would say. Okay. Had you ever had any previous experience in the dark room? No, okay. not at all. <laughs> nope. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of a, a rarity, I think these days that unless yep. you specifically focus in on some of those older analog processes, a lot of people just don't get to go into the dark room anymore. So interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And it's uh, it, it's a bummer kind of looking back because my school did have a dark room and they had a decent program. And now, of course, I'm super interested in that stuff. And, 
it would just be cool to have done something with that and learn darkroom printing and stuff like that. But, you know, there's always time. There's always time to learn it. And that's what I'm more interested in now. Sure, sure. So do you recall what was your first exposure to wet plate and how long ago was it? <laughs> yeah, so um, it was either, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was either a, a YouTube video, something on Reddit or something on Instagram. And I remember seeing my first tintype and I was like, what is like, what am I looking at? Uh, what is this? Uh, I didn't know if it was some filter or really what exactly it was. And that was pretty much it. I was, I was intrigued, but you know, nothing more at the time. And I think like, like most people who get into it, it's just kind of something that like nags at you and eats away at you until you finally break down and give in and try it. And I, I just remember like every couple of days I would go back to this YouTube video and I would just watch somebody pour a plate, fix or put it in the silver, shoot, and then fix it. And I was just like addicted to watching this guy do his, his practice. And I was like, I, I kind of want to try that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and I eventually, uh, probably a couple months later after first seeing my first intype, I, I would say I broke down and I kind of just went for it and slowly just built up a kit over the next few months of just secondhand stuff. And, you know, yeah. And then just, I, I just started from there. Yeah. Now, how long ago was this? Yeah, this was in, I actually was just looking. This was in March of 2022. So it's been oh, wow. just okay. about a year, a little bit over a year. And I, I think I shot my first plate at the end of March. Okay. Do, do you recall who you're watching in the uh, YouTube videos? I don't. And I was just looking for the video uh, before we hopped on and I couldn't find it. But it was just a simple video of some guy going through the process. And I was like, okay, like if I can acquire all of this gear, I feel like I can figure this out. And that's kind of what I did. I kind of sat down, I would pause the video, write down in a notebook, like, you know, silver tank, uh, I need a plate holder, I need a, a dark room, I need a, a four by five camera or whatever. And I just kind of built this list of everything that I need to finally, you know, shoot a tintype. And that's, that's kind of what I did over the next couple months was build that up and yeah, I, and, and I, like I said, I would keep going back to this video and I just, I couldn't get it out of my head. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure you have a similar experience or, you know, people who have that experience, but when you see one, it's just kind of like, I want to try that. I want to, I want to do, I want to see if I can do that. Sure. Yeah. And especially in today's world of right. instant push the button and you have a, exactly. an image, there's something completely different about this, right? And, and then once you kind of start getting into it, you figure out that there's this whole other aspect of the uniqueness and each one is, is handmade. And so the craft of, of whoever is creating the image kind of goes into it as well. So Absolutely. Yeah. Do, do you recall, I mean, were you kind of actively looking for something with wet plate uh, as far as these YouTube videos, or is it just something that you just kind of stumbled across and you're like, whoa, what, what is this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not at all. I had no idea what wet plate was. Um, I had no interest in it. I, I guess I'll go back to right when I finished college, like 2018. I, I bought a camera right out of school. It was just something I was interested in. And I was working and I was, you know, able to afford a camera. So I bought a digital camera and I started just shooting whatever 
landscapes, portraits, just pretty much anything. It was just something that was a hobby on the side from my job. And I eventually started shooting, you know, you become that person that people know, like, oh, yeah, he has a camera, like he can shoot our engagement photos, or, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or he can shoot our real estate. So I just started doing whatever I could. So I do have a little, a little bit of a background in photography. But yeah, I did like events and stuff like that for maybe like two to three years and realized that it really wasn't my thing. But after I kind of put that down, I always kind of had cameras like I like I'm looking at my shelf right here. I have like seven cameras that are just collecting dust. But I, I've always kind of, you know, since I got into it, have been really into like, you know, film cameras and, and digital cameras and stuff like that. And even when I stopped shooting events and stuff like that, I always had cameras that I would go out and shoot with. So yeah, that brings me right up into or right up until the point where I shot my first plate. So I was kind of interested in, in this world, but I had no idea what a, what plate was, a tin type was like, I had no knowledge of that at all. Sure. Sure. So, so after you kind of got hooked just based on these videos, what, what was your process to actually dig into learning how to do the process? Sounds like you put a list together of all the, the different materials, and I kind of remember going through that phase myself, but, yeah. but how did you act, actually do, or, or what research materials did you use to actually learn the process? Um, yeah, I, I get really, really into things. Like I, I got really obsessed with the process, and I just would read anything I can get my hands on. I was on Reddit. I was in the Facebook group. I was on the, like, I'm sure if you go back and you look at any video, I'm in the comments somewhere saying like, oh, what, you know, what camera is this or what lens is this? <laughs> uh, I just, you know, I just kind of jumped in uh, with both feet and just did as much research and I just absorbed as much as I could. And, you know, there's, I, I didn't really have any, um, I didn't do any like workshops or anything or, or like, I didn't have any like books or anything like that, but I, there's so much out there that you can find on YouTube, Facebook, Reddit, and those were pretty much my main sources. Okay. So, so you didn't go out and try and, you know, get a, a, a manual or something from some of the well-known photographers that are out there today to learn the process from. It was essentially just information online that you could track down. Yes. I, I recently, my girlfriend bought me chemical pictures and I hate to admit it, but I've never actually read it. It's a, it's an awesome looking book and it just sits on my coffee table, but she got me that I think just a couple months ago for my birthday. So I never, beyond that, I don't have anything. I don't have any manuals or anything. Yeah. I kind of just dove in and was under the impression that I could teach myself and just figure it out through trial and error. And that, <laughs> that was a challenge for sure. Right. Well, that is a, a very well-respected manual from Quinn Jacobson. So I, I hope that eventually <laughs> you'll get the chance to, uh, to check that out. <laughs> I certainly will. Yeah. So, so what about your first plate? What, what do you remember about going through the process that very first time yourself? Yeah. So I, I had this, it was a Kodak Viewmaster, I believe it was. It was a really beat up, janky, four by five camera I got from a college student that needed it for a course and they sold it to me with a lens for super cheap. It came with the, with the ground glass busted and the tripod mount the screw was broken. So I had it just strapped down on a telescope tripod 
And so it wasn't a good setup that I had, but it was enough to get me started. Okay. Yeah. I, I remember setting up outside. I didn't want to bother anybody and have them sit while I kind of figured out the process. Um, so I just grabbed like a, I think it was a water bottle or like a, a lemonade carton or something. And I just shot that like five times until I figured it out. My first plate was, it was, I exposed it for like 30 seconds in direct sunlight. Like I just remember I kept reading, you need all this light, you need a lot of light and strobes and blah, blah, blah. So I was like, all right, I'm going to overexpose or I'm going to expose it for 30 seconds and that's going to be perfect. And there was just the faintest image on the plate. And that's pretty much it. Like from that moment on, I was just hooked. Even though I didn't get a good plate, it was still something. And I was like, I can figure this out from here. Right, right. Okay. So uh, how did you then go about to, I guess, improve upon where you were at? I mean, what were some of the the early struggles that you faced and, and how did you get through those? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I think uh, I think just shooting a lot. I think the first couple months I shot any chance that I could, and you know I, I faced a lot of problems with my gear, and you know I, I would put in the plate holder and my camera would shake because it wasn't even screwed in, and I would get a blurry image. So it was just kind of like making my setup easier. Every time I shot, I would just improve like one thing. Like I I got a helper tray or something like that. And it would just improve that much. And then I would kind of just like sit there and be like, all right, what did I do this time? And like, what can I do to avoid these mistakes that I made? I mean, obviously I made a million mistakes starting out, but I think it was just the reflection on each image. Like what is wrong with this? Why is this overexposed? Why is it out of focus? And this was my first time ever using large format. So it was just learning everything from the ground up. I, I, I was going to say, I, I remember some of the early struggles that I had uh, were really involved with trying to figure out how to pour the developer on the plate and get yes. a nice even pour so that you didn't have a lot of hesitation lines and, and things like that yeah. where the developer pooled up and, and uh, you know, just trying to, to, to go through that, the mechanics of keeping the developer on the plate as long as you could until just that perfect moment and then do the do the rinse so oh a hundred percent i mean it was it was that the mechanics of it i've shot enough plates where i didn't get enough collodion on there uh to all the edges and but yeah I, like i said i just kind of improved a little bit each time um helper trades was a big one i still use those and i like i don't think i could work without them they just make my life so much easier but yeah, just kind of like, you know, seeing what I did wrong and trying to figure out how to fix it. And I, I can't say that I figured everything out by myself. Like I would reach out to people nonstop. I kind of just didn't care. I didn't care if people were like, this guy's annoying. I would just reach out to the next person <laughs> uh, until somebody responded. And people do like, it's a really great community. And I, somebody always was there to be like, yeah, you're doing this wrong or you have a light leak or whatever. So yeah, the, I'm sure you got a lot of the uh, use use the search bar. Uh, I still, comments. I mean, if you go in the uh, if you go in the group now, the, you'll see one from recent. Somebody said that. Cause I posted. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, so so you started with some some still life objects. Uh, what about the first time that you took a portrait of someone? What was that experience like? Yeah, so it was my girlfriend uh, Leah. I I mean I I. Sh- I shot her relentlessly for probably the first three months and only her just because I didn't 
really want to show anybody else what I was doing because I was, I didn't want to show my work, I guess. Yep. So yeah, the first one I did of her, it was, it was overexposed as well. Cause I was just shooting in the direct sunlight. I didn't, I had no idea what I was doing. And then, yeah, I would just dial it back. I'd do five seconds, three seconds, two seconds. And then I got my first actual plate that I was like, this is awesome. Like this is, this is cool. And she has um, freckles and her freckles came out. It was, it was just a really cool experience finally getting something that I was like, okay, this is, you know, going in the right direction. Great. Great. Yeah. And a lot of times it seems like uh, if you're shooting a portrait, especially early on, uh, you kind of feel like you're under a little bit of pressure, right? Because now you've got someone else there with you and you're hoping to show something good to them and uh, you don't want to screw it up. (laughs) A hundred percent. And that is why I didn't shoot anybody else for the first couple of months because I didn't want to hype it up and be like, dude, you got to see this process. It's the coolest thing. It's like magic. And then, you know, a blank plate come up. Right, right. Um, So, yeah, yeah, it was really just like getting everything under control and finding my confidence to be able to like sit my roommates down and be like, all right, like watch this. And this is, you know, really cool. But yeah, so for the first couple months, just my girlfriend, just nonstop. Right. So what uh, type of, uh, what style of photography would you say that you are more focused in on now? I mean, it is it primarily portraits or are you doing other things as well? Uh, mainly portraits right now. Okay. All right. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your your studio space, uh, yeah. at least what it looked like early on. So what, what was your first dark room? How was it arranged? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so my first dark room was just this, like, it was just like a utility closet that we had in our house when I lived in Pittsburgh. I just put cardboard over the windows and I put just like a towel by the door whenever I closed it. And I had um, just a red, a headlamp that had a red light. I had a table with a couple trays and my chemicals and that was it. And it, it was on the second story. So I was like running downstairs, running across the house, out back to shoot, and then running back upstairs. Like it was the worst setup ever, <laughs> but yeah. but it uh you know it did the trick. It was dark and it, and it worked. So that was my first ever like you know dark room that I used, and then it was just whatever I, I made a uh, I worked out in my girlfriend's garage because I I eventually got into using a strobe and I needed somewhere to to do that. And I would just work out of the garage. We'd turn the lights off and just hope that no light crept in. I made one of those those boxes out of a... It's like... A, it's, I think they're called like bastard boxes. Out of those like... It's like a black box that you put red acrylic on the top and you, and you make armholes. Okay. Sure if you're familiar. Yep. Yeah, so that was like my next upgrade. And it was cool because I could go and shoot outside and, and do other stuff. But yeah, those are like my first three dark rooms that I really used a lot, I would say. Sure. Yeah, it always makes me nervous, and, and there's no way I would actually use a, a bathroom or a kitchen uh, for a dark room now just because I know how messy I am in my own dark room. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, I'm sure uh, there's silver stains all over the place. For... Oh, yeah, the, uh, the garage is completely stained up, and I didn't realize it for like a couple weeks. Her aunt was super forgiving, but I was I was embarrassed. I didn't realize I was making that much of a mess. I wasn't cleaning the plate off enough when I was going to put it in the camera. I mean, there was just a trail from where I was shooting. So, yeah, right. I definitely learned to be a, a bit more neater. So it sounds like that you're trying to get a, a different studio space there in, in Boulder, Colorado. 
so talk a little bit about that. I, I know you said that you were able to come across some really great finds on equipment and that you're going to try and use some of that to uh, outfit your studio. Yeah, yeah. So the studio is going to be in Golden. It's going to be at the Foothills Art Center. And it's a it's an art studio with, I think, about 12 different artists in there. Uh, so I'm really excited about that. It's currently under construction, and that is going to be up and running, I think, in the next month or so. Uh, so I'm just getting ready for that. I'm trying to just put everything together and, you know, figure out what I'm going to be putting in the space. But yeah, it was a really cool opportunity. They had a, uh, a full film dark room that wasn't being used. And I, I ended up talking to the guy and he was like, you know, your work's cool. Do you, are you interested in working out of here? And I was like, are, are you kidding? Of course. So I have that coming up that I'm super excited about. It, an actual dark room is going to be a game changer, especially because I'm working out of a tiny little box right now. So yeah, I'm super excited about that. That's great. Yeah. Especially to have uh, running water inside of your dark yeah. room makes a big difference. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. That's the part I'm most excited about. Yeah. yeah and, and I will say that there are lots of options for folks that are that are just getting started for, for dark rooms. Oh, uh, for sure. If you don't have access to a, a full formal dark room, like it sounds like you're getting ready to step into, that's fantastic. I, I think the first dark room that I started with uh, down in my basement I just I went and got some uh, like three quarter inch uh, conduit, and you can buy like the little elbows and you know nineties, and you can have yeah. three of them that kind of plug together, and and so I built essentially like a little frame of a of a small box that I could actually step inside of, and then I went and got some of this really thick black plastic, and just coated the you know wrapped the entire enclosure with that stuff, and then made a space for a. Uh, a doorway to be able to get inside of it and a table and a couple of buckets with some water and and you're pretty much set up so if you're looking for more room you know and you don't want to use the really small little box that is an option for folks as well so yeah man for sure you don't need anything fancy you can work out of a cardboard box whatever you know anything that's dark like it could be small it could be a room it could be a bathroom but yeah that shouldn't limit you if you're looking into this Sure. Let's talk about gear a little bit. Are you still using the uh, Kodak Viewmaster as your <laughs> primary camera? No, luckily I got rid of that. It okay. was a mess. I mean, it was, it was fine other than, you know, the tripod mount. I couldn't get it on a normal tripod, but I sold that. I, yeah, I, I guess I sold that. I don't remember what I did with it, but I have a, it's a Cambo five by seven and I have a reducing back so I could shoot four by five and I'm, I'm really happy with it. It's nothing fancy or anything, you know, it's, it's nothing crazy, but it works for me and I, I really like it. I, I kind of have the bug to jump to 8x10, but as of right now, I'm really trying to just focus on getting better with 4x5 and 5x7 until I, you know, until I feel like I'm at the point where I'm like, okay, I can, I can jump up and there's not going to be any like issues or, you know, anything like that. So I, I'm not ready yet, but I'm, it's kind of in the back of my mind. Same thing. It's just kind of like chirping away at me, but I'm not it, ready yet. Yeah. I think that's a good recommendation. I mean, I, I think yeah. uh, four by five, especially because there are so many of those types of cameras available. So it's easy yeah. to find something small like that to, to get started with wet plate. Absolutely. Yeah. I, so I, uh, I didn't mention, I had a Canva four by five 
that I bought in here in Colorado from someone on Facebook Marketplace. You had a really sweet deal. And that I used that for a while and it was a great camera. And you could pick one up on eBay for like I think around 200 bucks, 250 something like that. So yeah, it's not, you know, it, it doesn't take a whole lot of investment like I initially thought to get into wet plate. It's certainly not cheap, but it's not as crazy as I thought getting into it. Right. Yeah, and I think that that becomes a little bit of a hurdle to folks as they want to get into this and they start thinking mm-hmm. about, oh, I want to, I, I got to get like this really fancy camera to be able to do that because that's what I see everybody else using or, or, or these right, right. enormous cameras, you know, the, the folks <laughs> yeah. that are shooting, uh, you know, 24 inch square plates. Yeah. Uh, that's not necessarily the best way to start. Although there are folks that have started with those size plates for their first shots. And, uh, it's pretty amazing that, you know, yeah. that's what they learn on and, and then it just right. becomes second nature to them. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, I, I don't know if I could have picked my size starting out, I probably would have just gone for a five by seven. It's like my favorite size, but yeah, I mean, get a cheap, there's a million four by five cameras for sale. There's schools that are like giving them away because they don't, you know, teach that anymore. But yeah, you don't need anything fancy. You don't need anything huge, whatever works. Sure. Yep. Uh, are you at all interested in the historical aspect of wet plate collodion? I mean, do you, do you have a, a hankering to get like a, you know, a hundred year old camera to use that? Or are you pretty happy with, with what you've got with the modern Cambo? So I, it's interesting for sure, the history of it. And I think, I think about it all the time and I just, it, it keeps me up at night how they figured this process out. I, I can't wrap my head around it. But beyond that, I'm not like a, I'm not a big history nerd and I don't care about having, you know, an accurate, what do you call it? Uh, uh, kind of like a, a period accurate type yeah, camera. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That, that doesn't really mean anything to me. Um, it, for me, it's the, it's the final image. It's like whatever comes out, whatever gear you use to make it good for you, whatever, you know, use a 200-year-old camera, whatever. But I, I don't care about that stuff. It's really just about the final image. Sure, sure. What kind of lenses do you have for your 5x7 Cambo? So I use a, it's actually the lens that came with my my first Kodak Viewmaster. It's a 210 f5.6. And th- other than that, that's the only thing I'm looking to upgrade. And I'm, and I'm actually talking to a guy on eBay right now about, getting a lens that he has but it is an older lens but it's just it's faster and i'm just looking for something a bit faster for my setup it would just make my life a whole lot easier sure yep um so yeah that's the only upgrade that i'm currently looking to make okay and the uh, the five six aperture that's a fixed right it's not adjustable on the lens you've got or it it is it's adjustable okay um, okay it's like a more modern light it's a it's a nikon yeah so it's F, I'm looking at it right now. It's 5.6 to F64. Okay. I keep it, I pretty much keep it at 5.6. Sure. Yep. Yeah, you got to get as much light in there as uh, as possible, right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so, so what's your plans for once you get into the studio? I mean, are you, are your thoughts to like open up shop and, and kind of do this on a semi-professional basis or... Are you really just kind of focused on trying to hone your your craft for right now? Yeah, 
I think most importantly, I, I'm trying to practice. And when I have the studio space, I can shoot as much as I want. I'm extremely limited right now because I'm shooting. I'm doing like pop-ups and markets and stuff like that. And I'm in a very tight space and I can't get super creative with my lighting. So that's my first order of business is to, is to just shoot as much as possible with different lightings and, and figure out, you know, how I want my images to look and be lit. So that's number one Two, Yeah. I would love to open up shop and just kind of shoot as much as possible. Um, I think these, these events that I do are a really great marketing tool to just let people know like, Hey, I will have a studio. You can find me here and give them all the info. But yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the goal is to just kind of shoot as much as possible as get as many people in there that are interested. And I know they were talking about doing like classes and stuff, but I, I don't know that I'm, I mean, I, I definitely know that I'm not ready to, to teach a class, but it's something that they want to explore somewhere down the line. You know, just like a very basic, like how to shoot a, a tin type. No chemistry, nothing fancy, just kind of like, this is how I do it. Just and a then, demonstration only. Yeah, right? exactly. Yep, yeah. Demonstration. Yeah. So, yeah, other than that, no no concrete plans or anything. Okay. Let, let's talk a little bit about pop-ups. I know there's a lot of folks yeah. that are kind of getting into that business. Yeah. How do you convince someone that's walking around a, a pop-up market to sit down in the chair and have their tintype taken? <laughs> it's really hard. It's, uh, you know, I get a lot of people in my experience that are interested in it and then that know what tintypes are, which is crazy because I had no idea what it was. And I don't know, a lot more people than I thought know what they are. So I get a lot of people that are interested in, and want to just talk about it. And then they end up sitting down for one. That's my best practice I guess is just like engaging in people and not really caring if they're gonna pay like sit and pay for a plate or not just to kind of uh you know engage and and see what questions they have and just you know entertain but yeah it's certainly hard like a lot of people will come up and they'll be interested and then they'll see the price or they'll you know they don't have time or they don't have the person there that they want to get a image or a portrait done with so it's definitely challenging yeah but what, what about yourself? Do you do any pop-ups or anything? I have done them in the past. I was going to say, you know, when, when you're at those kind of things, people have a lot of built-in mm-hmm. uh, deflections that, that can kind of get them out of, of sitting in the chair, right? And, and you mentioned oh, yeah. a few of them like, oh, well, I really wanted a picture with this person and, oh, I didn't do my, uh, my hair today or I don't have the right, <laughs> the right clothes on for this yeah. or, or whatever, right? So... And, and then when they also find out that it's not just push the button and the image pops out, it, it's going right. to take a little bit of time. Yeah. Uh, that's a, sometimes a drawback. Uh, I have found that the, the best way to get folks interested in sitting down is to grab somebody yourself as they're walking by and say, look, I would love to take your photograph. Would you mind being a, a test subject for me? And just kind of kicking things off. And I found that if you can do that early on, then you get other people that are curious. They want to see what's going on with these, you know, bigger cameras, you know, that they're not used to seeing. And, you know, especially if you've got your portable dark room set up, you know, and you can kind of talk to the audience and, and really make a, a bit of a show of that first test plate just to drive up some interest. That seems to be kind of the ticket to get people 
interested of, as to, oh, well, maybe I should, maybe I ought to think about this. This looks pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, that is something that I do, you know, I've had the slower pop-ups and stuff, but I, I find I, exactly that. Like if you start, you know, getting one person interested that stops to talk, like a line forms, of course. Um, but what I'll do is I usually will have Leah there with me and I will always set up and do a practice shot of her just to make sure that everything's looking good. And then if there's still some downtime, if no one's really showing interest, I'll just grab vendors and I'll be like, Hey, if you guys want to, you know, trade a piece of art or if you just want to sit, cause at the end of the day, like these chemicals aren't going to last and I'm not getting anything out of it if they just go bad. I mean, I get that I'm trying to make money. That's obviously the point, but I would much rather go home with three decent portraits of different vendors or different, you know, of my girlfriend than go home with nothing. And then my chemicals go bad. So right. I'm always trying to just either grab people who look interesting and, you know, it's tough because it's like, you don't want to just give them away and you don't want to show other people like, you know, if it's, if it's slow, if there's no one at that guy's booth, just go back and I'll do one for free. But at the end of the day, I don't care about that right now. It's really just about like taking as many images as I can and, you know, just talking to people and getting people interested. Sure. Sure. Have you kept track of how many images that you've actually taken over the last year or so? I don't. It's such a bummer. I was just thinking about it. I don't have my first type, and I don't keep track, which is just, it sucks because I'm really curious of how many I've shot and how many I've like messed up and um, all that. But what about you? Do you, do you have a number? I do. Yeah. It, I'm just over 500 plates, um, nice, which nice. is, I would think is respectable, but then you hear of other folks that are, that have taken, you know, 5,000 or 15,000. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, it's, it's pretty, uh, a small sample, but I, I think that it's a, it's good to shoot as much as you can. And, yes. and it is very easy for folks to get into this process thinking that they are really enamored by it and they may only shoot 50 plates and then that's pretty much it for them. But right. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah. I, uh, I, I've saw somebody on Facebook in the, in the Facebook group, they posted like, I don't know, they, they shot like a thousand or a couple thousand in their first year. And I just like, I, I can't compare myself to other people. I stopped doing it because it's just not good. But I'm nowhere near that. I'm nowhere near a thousand, and I'm over a year in. But yeah, I, I mean, I like you said, I just try to shoot as much as possible, and maybe I'll start keeping track from now, and and I'll have a number for you next time we talk. Yeah, I'd I'd, I'd <laughs> recommend for folks to do that at least yeah. for the you know the first year because you can really capture a lot of learning information that if you wanted Absolutely. to go back and say. Okay, my first shot, I used this camera, this was the lens, this was my aperture, this was my exposure time, and the image looked good or it looked like crap. I mean, you know, if you can catch that stuff and record it, I think there's some value to that as you're trying to figure out and, and do troubleshooting. You know, maybe Absolutely, you see yeah. eventually your, 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 your image quality starts decreasing and maybe you can attribute that to, well, okay, maybe it's time to go and clean the silver bath or, you know, maybe right. I've got to mix up some, some different chemicals or something. So, For sure. And that's really the main reason that I'm kind of, you know, I beat myself up that I didn't keep better notes and uh, better tabs on like each plate, at least just like, you know, like you said, like 
take a picture on your phone of your plate with a piece of paper under it. Like looks good, looks underexposed, overexposed. And then the settings that you shot it at. And I just, yeah, I, I wish I had that just for, you know, hopefully seeing myself improve or seeing issues that I ran into at that time. But yeah, that's definitely a great practice for people that are just getting into it. Yeah. What about chemistry? Are you mixing your own? Are you buying uh, everything kind of ready to go? What's your, what's your process yeah. for that? Yeah, so I I just buy everything from UV Photographics. I don't have room. I live in a I live in a five hundred square foot apartment here in Boulder, and it's small. I don't have anywhere to 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 do it. But it's something. I I don't have a an overwhelming urge to make my own chemistry, but part of me wants to just so I can see what goes into everything and how different things interact, and then I think that will eventually help me eliminate problems in the future that I have. Um, Cause I still run into issues that I don't know what's, what's causing them. And I think if I made my own chemistry, that would kind of eliminate that. I could be like, Oh, this component would cause this if X. So sure. that's the one reason just to kind of be more in tune with the whole process. But yeah, that's, that's definitely something I'll explore in the future. Do you make your own chemistry or do you just get it? I, I, Currently get a, a two-part kit from Bostic and Sullivan for my collodion, and then they have a, a concentrated developer mix okay. uh, that I use. But I, I have made my own collodion in the past, and it and it worked okay. But I, I just found that I, I really like the tones better from the the Bostic and Sullivan collodion. Right Although on. if, you know, if something were to happen to those guys and, you know, they go out of business and uh, UVP disappears, uh, as long as I th- could find the raw materials, I think I can mix up my own stuff and, and be still be successful with that. So I'm, I'm not too concerned about it. I just I just don't have a lot of the time to 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 focus in on on that piece of it right now. Yeah. And I actually was just thinking about that this morning. You know, what if, you know, these companies have issues shipping or if they they go under or whatever, it, it would be nice to know how to make your own stuff. So, I, yeah, it's definitely something I will explore. Yeah. Do you shoot primarily on aluminum or glass? Aluminum. Only. Okay. All right. Um, I, I love amber types. I think they're beautiful. And again, that's something that I have thought about for a little bit. But yeah, I really, I don't know. I just really want to perfect four by five and five by seven aluminum before I do anything else. Like that is my main goal is to, to, you know, once those are like perfect and I'm content and I'm, I'm happy with my own work, then I'll, you know, jump to eight by 10 or whatever. We're shooting amortized. That's yeah. my main concern right now. Yeah. I think that's a great plan. I, I think the, the more variables you can cut out yes. early yeah. <laughs> on, the better. And then there, there's always an opportunity to move to those, Right. Larger yep. formats in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Do you shoot any amber types or mostly just? Uh, I have, yes. I have a stash of some original Spectrum black glass uh, that I kind of save for special occasions. I do That's do awesome. some some clear glass occasionally if I'm uh, making some negatives. I, I printed out some cyanotypes using this process in the past, so... Uh, that, that's something that I would kind of like to get into a little bit yeah, more is, yeah. is the printing out process from collodion negatives. So, yeah, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, amber types are just so beautiful. I'm, I'm jealous when I see people and they're, 
making cool amber types. And I'm like, ah, I'm going to do that someday. But uh, yeah, as of right now, I'm not ready to jump in. Sure. So going to our uh, kind of standard questions on the show here, if you had the chance to photograph anybody alive today, who would it be? That's a good question. I don't know. I, I So I recently, the only thing that pops into my head, I recently saw uh, Oppenheimer, or I'm sorry, Oppenheimer, like a couple of weeks ago. And at the very end of the movie, I'm not sure. Have you seen it yet? I have. Yes. Yeah. So at the very end of the movie, when uh, Killian's standing there after he talks to Albert Einstein, it's like, I think that was like on the poster. He's wearing the hat. Yeah. Like, oh shit. We just, what did we just do? Right. I think that would be an awesome tintype. Just that specific scene, him wearing the hat with that like face of, or that look of like, you know, do we just ruin the world or what? But yeah, I don't know. I, I just thought about that when I was leaving the theater. I was like, that'd be an awesome tintype. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, uh, nothing comes to mind. Uh, do you have like a dream person, a dream sitter? Uh, you know, I, I'll be honest. I've, I've not thought about this too much. I, I think yeah. whenever I answered this question for myself, I think I may have said like Abraham Lincoln or something. I, you know, right the on, civil right. war photography was, was kind of what got me into this practice. And I know that there are a lot of images of, of Abe that are out there, but, uh, you know, the guy's just got a really unique look, a, does, a unique sure. weathered face. And, um, I think he would make a great subject in the chair so yeah absolutely so you you kind of got into this because you were interested in the historical side of it and that kind of led you down this rabbit hole to yeah a little bit i talked about this in the past you know my my father's a big civil war scholar uh, i would say you know a lot of a lot of books and and i would just look through these just really to look at the the images that were in there and that kind of started me down this rabbit hole of thinking about, well, how did they actually create these images 160 years ago? You know, what was available to them that right. allowed them to go out in the battlefields? And then that's that's what really kind of pulled me into this. So Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. What about creative ideas that you've got outside of portraits? Are there any other projects or ideas that you've got that you would like to maybe photograph using this process yeah so colorado is beautiful it, right in boulder going towards like golden on 93 there's just you know the the flat irons that are absolutely stunning and i would like to a couple days go up there and just shoot and just try uh, try landscapes other than that nothing really but i I've, i love uh, uh landscapes that are done on aluminum and amber types i think it's super cool there's the one guy i follow on youtube he makes like the giant giant plates he does landscapes um, okay i'm not familiar I, I don't know his name but he makes like they're like massive like he has like two people holding the the piece of glass when he goes to put it in the camera it's super cool but um probably yeah. kurt moser which by the time this episode comes out you will have heard him on the show sweet that's awesome <laughs> looking forward to that yeah yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, so landscapes, I would like to try that, but nothing, nothing much other than that. Yeah, I will say that uh, for folks that are going out and doing that for the first time, you, you really need the plan on what's the worst that could happen. Right. Um, I almost lost my, uh, my dark box. Uh, I had set up in the Rockies to do some, some landscape images, oh, cool. and 
course, it's really windy here in Colorado, <laughs> yep. and I, I almost lost my my dark box. And of course, I've got my, you know, my silver tank in there, and it just would have been a, a, yep. a complete disaster. So, I, I think that I maybe took one shot and then packed it up. I decided that it it wasn't worth it at that time. It was just the <laughs> weather was not not right for what I was wanting to do. Yeah, no, I feel you. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's just it's beautiful around here, and it's hard to mess up a landscape shot. So yeah, I'll, I'll explore that eventually. Yeah, at some point, I'd like I'd love to get back up into the Rockies and, and at least yeah. capture that you know some cornerstone image there that I that I can make and and yeah. that really represents the kind of the majesty of of the Rockies. So, For sure, that'd be super cool. Yeah. So who are some of the other photographers that uh, either you look up to, maybe they're folks that you follow online that kind of inspire your work, or, or maybe even those folks that you've reached out to that have kind of helped you along? Who are some of the folks you can kind of think back on? Yeah, yeah. So um, it's funny because everyone that I've reached out to a million times, you've pretty much had on the podcast. So it was super cool seeing all these people like, oh, I, I, you know, DM'd him on Instagram about, you know, his gear or whatever. But so you've had on uh, Justin Barucki. I've reached out to him multiple times. He's a yep. super cool guy. Super nice. Um, and also, I really like his work. He has shot some of my favorite bands. And I was like, dude, I, I think that was the first time I reached out to him. I was like, dude, that is the coolest thing ever seeing Coheed and Cambria on, you know, a tin type. Like right. I was so jealous. So I, I've definitely, I love his work. Joe Wyman, who we were hanging out with the past weekend. Yep. I think he is amazing work as well. And it was, it was cool meeting him because he was just a wealth of knowledge and definitely helped me out a lot. Um, just in the you know hour or two that we were there. I've reached out to, uh, I think his name's Tim, Tim Brown. Sure. Yep. Down in Salida. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yep. I think he does amazing work. Um, and he, I, I reached out to him for something about like varnishing and he got back to me with like a, a, like a, a book of information in like a couple minutes. I was like, all right, cool. But he was, yeah, he was awesome. And yeah, I mean, I think that's it. And then just basically, I, I don't know other names, but I'm just always looking at other people's work. I think that's such a, a fun part of this process is like just kind of seeing your work and then seeing someone else's work. And I think like, I don't know. I think people's work is so different. Like the, the tones and the, and the, the depth and the, and the blacks, I think everything is just so different. I, I can look at it like a specific tintype and know, you know, if I, if I'm familiar with artists, like know that that's coming from them without even looking at the name. Like I, and it's weird because like, you know, I'm sure most people would just see like a black and white image on a piece of tin, but I, I don't know. To me, they're just all so different and so distinct and unique. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. I mean, I think that similar to uh, people that are painters and, and they have a particular style about them and you can tell by right. the brush strokes, I think that there's a lot of folks out there now that have really kind of made a place for themselves based on the yeah, uniqueness absolutely. and the overall look of their images. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what about yourself? Do you have any people that you look up to um, photographically? I'm sure you've had a lot of them on the podcast and do you plan to have, I mean, I don't know if you could say or not, but do you plan to have anybody else on here that shoots that you really uh, admire their work? Yeah. You know, when, when I started off this pro this podcast, I had reached out to a couple of folks that I, 
that I actually knew or had communicated with in some fashion. And, and so that's really how the show got started was, hey, these, these are folks that, that I really know. And what I was hoping was that I could figure out who else would be willing to be on the show <laughs> based right. on that. But uh, yeah, I've, I've got a lot of folks that, that I follow that are inspirational in, in some fashion. If you go back to season one, the, the last episode, I get to talk about some of those folks there. Awesome. Yeah. So, uh, Drew, what are some of the, the struggles that, that maybe you faced in, in kind of the early days of trying to use the process, and, and how did you overcome some of those? I think I was I was just thinking about this earlier today, and I think I just kind of mentioned it, like hanging out with you guys this past weekend and like talking to Joe and seeing his setup even. It was just, you know, you learn so much more, obviously, than just watching a YouTube video or reading like a post. So I, I think like if I was just starting out, I would try to connect with people. I would try to go to a studio and get a, a portrait taken or just kind of reach out and see like hey, can I come by and just like see your studio or whatever? Because I, I think most of the problems I thought I could fix on my own or I would figure out. But yeah, I mean, it was just mo mostly chemistry stuff. Like the mechanics of it, I, I had issues with that. And that you kind of just, you know, you, you figure that out the more you shoot. How long to, you know, develop. And varnishing was probably my biggest problem for the uh, longest time. Yep. And I still <laughs> struggle with it. It's, it's my least favorite part. But I think I'm getting a little bit better. But yeah, just just different things like that that I thought I could I could fix, and you know, like I I think I'm at the point where my gear is not the problem anymore. It's it's not you know I I know I could make a good plate on my gear. So if it's anything comes out wrong, it's it's me. It's something that I'm doing wrong. I think a big one is just the chemistry, like knowing how old your chemicals are. I shot, I, a couple months ago, I shot with like six month old developer and it was just turning my plates black. It oh, might have yeah. been older than six months. Yeah. And yeah. I just didn't know at the time, but yeah, you just get a lot of information from people who are doing it. So I think seeing somebody do it in person is a game changer. And I didn't see someone do it in person until, you know, five days ago. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Well, uh, Joseph Wyman Brown is a great person to try and pick up some hints from. So hopefully you learned a little bit in the time I that we did. had with him this, this past weekend here. I did. I, I actually learned a lot, which was really cool. Yeah, I was going to say, Drew, one of the, the early things that I really hated myself was, was varnishing of plates just because yes. I was so bad at it. And you know, I, I decided to slow down a little bit and, and really focus on you know, making sure that the plates were heated up. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how you heat your plates. Do you use a spirit lamp or do you have a little oven, toaster oven or? Yeah. So I use a toaster oven. I started yeah. out using a, um, like, what are they like alcohol lamp? Yeah. Yep. Um, with like denatured alcohol. And I just, I, I couldn't do it. I got uh, some sticky situations and I just, I burned a couple plates off and I, just, <laughs> I don't know. It was just so unenjoyable for me to, I mean, one, you have this, this plate that you went through all these steps to get. And it's like one final thing that could screw it up. And I always, you know, I just, I had problems with it. I really did. So I think I, uh, I, I really, I, I kind of figured it out when I got, I switched my varnish and I also got a toaster oven and that really started working for me. Yeah, that's great. That, that's what I was going to recommend was I, I started with the same type of little alcohol spirit lamp and, yeah. um, 
you know, it doesn't take much to get a uh, a handful of fire oh, if, yeah. if you if you mess that up, and then you're, <laughs> you know, if you don't keep your wits about you, then you're you're knocking something else over, and and really can can make a big disaster happen pretty quick. Yeah, I, I kind of got away from that thing, and and I use a spirit lamp to maybe heat up a plate, just do that, maybe warm up some of my varnish, but I I use like sure. a hot plate now and put a little cover on it and. You definitely get a lot more higher quality images, and plus yes, you yeah. you you tend to keep all of the uh, dust off of it that might settle in while it's while it's cooking. So, yeah, I mean, I remember when I was first you know starting out and trying to varnish. Like I would watch videos, and people would make it look so easy. Like they you know heat up the plate, pour the varnish, and then heat it. And then I I tried it, and you know my hand was on fire. I I just didn't you know it was just something I just hated doing. Yeah, I, I was actually looking for a hot plate, and I found a toaster instead, and I was like, all right, let's give this a shot. Good. And it's been working. It's good, yeah. Yeah, it's great. Well, Drew, I appreciate you being on the show today and kind of talking us through some of the, the issues and, and uh, motivations that somebody new coming into the practice might have. I uh, appreciate you uh, reaching out to me and, and hanging out this weekend with, uh, with Joseph uh, give us a listing of all of your social media accounts and how people can reach out to you if they're interested in getting a portrait taken. Yeah, absolutely. So on Instagram, it's at Golden Tintype. And then my website is goldentintype.com. It has all of the locations that I'll be set up. I'm actually about to update it just later today. But all the events that I'll be doing later this year and um, into next year so. That is pretty much all of my info. And yeah, thank you so much for having me, man. I know it's kind of like a different type of guest that nobody will probably know, but it's just kind of cool because, I, you know, I was really looking forward to you eventually having someone newer on, just kind of hearing like what they went through and, and how they kind of got started. And uh, I hope somebody, you know, can find some value in this that's just starting out. Yeah, for sure. Well, Drew, I wish you all the luck in continuing. I, I hope that you don't get burned out and decide to drop this, but hopefully you've got some passion and you can get through some of the low spots here. And oh, yeah. uh, I wish Great you time. success in trying to get your, your studio started up as well. So thanks, Drew. Appreciate it. Yeah. Hopefully uh, we'll get the chance to uh, hang out in my studio here sometime. I'd love to uh, have you guys over and we'll take some shots here. I'll show you how, how I'm doing my process. That'd be awesome. Looking forward to it, man. Thank you. Great. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode and maybe even picked up some insights that will help you along in your own wet play journey. I'd love to hear from you on who you'd like to have on in a future episode. So send me a message and follow our Instagram account at 10 questions with any feedback. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcast provider. Thanks for listening to me, Chad Shryock, and my expert guests. And I look forward to you joining me again in the coming weeks for a new episode of 10 Questions. Questions.